If you would turn with me to James chapter 3 and Proverbs chapter 18 this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's go to James 3, Proverbs 18. In James 3, verse 2, he says, In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. We've all made mistakes. But he says, if a person doesn't miss it in what they say, they're a perfect man. Now, in our modern English language, when we hear the word perfect, we generally think flawless. And that is not what you should get from this word. If you look it up, it basically means fully developed. It means complete or completed. And it's talking about growing up and maturing. Who is a fully developed individual? A person who doesn't miss it in what they say. So you can tell how spiritually mature or immature you and I are by how frequently we miss it in what we say. If we're just saying dumb stuff in the morning, afternoon, and when the sun goes down, we're babies, baby babies. I don't care if you're 60 years old and been born again 40. You're a baby. But if you're growing up, you'll go for weeks at a time and not miss it in what you say. You grow up even more, you'll go for months at a time. You'll go a year at a time and not say anything stupid and dumb. Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to be watching what's coming out of your mouth, right? (laughs) And before you're going to do that, you're going to have to believe it's important. He goes on to say, That we control horses with bits and bridles. That control ships with relatively small rudders. I think if he had been writing it today, he might bring up the example, you control a whole big tractor trailer with a little steering wheel. Is our tongue the steering wheel of our life? Is what we're saying, is it directing our course? I know most Christians don't believe that. How do you know that, Brother Keith? Because of how they talk. It's obvious. If you really believed that what you're saying is either hurting you or helping you. It's either making you sick or healing you. It's either keeping money away from you or causing money to come to you. It's either making things easy for you or it's making things hard for you. If you really believed that, you'd watch what comes out of your mouth. Wouldn't you? Look in Proverbs 18, please. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18.20 A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Increase doesn't start in your checking account or in your pocketbook. It starts in your mouth. Even while you got bills, while things don't look good and don't seem like they're going good, it's time to talk. I mean, if you're going the wrong way, you need to get a hold of the steering wheel. And turn this thing around and go another direction. We must not just keep waiting to see if some good things are going to happen. That's not how faith operates. Faith begins to speak increase before it looks and feels like it. Faith will shout while the walls are still up. 
Everybody say it out loud. This is a good year for me. Good things are happening in my life this year. Increase. Extra. Favor and blessing is coming to me, happening for me, flowing through me. This is a good year for me and mine. Amen. And of course, the more blessed you are, the more of a blessing you can be. Verse 21. Verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat thereof. Say that first sentence out loud with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Close your eyes. Think about what you're saying. Say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Another time. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do you believe that? Does it matter what you say? How much does it matter? It is a matter of death and life. Life and death. What we're saying. We should believe this. Go to Matthew the ninth chapter please. Matthew chapter 9. This is the account of the healing of the woman who had the issue or hemorrhage of blood. She was healed in the ministry of Jesus. And John said that if everything, John who the Spirit of God used to pen the gospel account of John, he said if everything Jesus said and did was recorded, he supposed even the world itself couldn't contain the books that should be written. So we have a very small portion of what Jesus said and did recorded. So these must be very important, the ones he did record and choose for us. So let's get something from this one today. In Matthew 9 and 20, Matthew 9, 20, behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. You've read this, I'm sure. You know she winds up healed. Did you know that just because something's been that way a long time doesn't mean you can't be healed? Twelve years. And if you look at Mark 5, it said she had uh, suffered many things of many physicians and spent all she had and with nothing bettered but rather grew worse. Now this is years, over a decade. She has spent everything she had. That means she had something at one point. So by today's standard, she spent hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. I don't know. She had something. Now it's all gone. She spent every bit of it trying this procedure and this process and this medication and this one. And none of it helped her. No reflection on the doctors. They just don't know everything. They couldn't help her. But just because you've tried everything. And it's been years and years and years. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Does that mean you can't be healed? Does that mean it's not God's will for you to be healed? Does it mean any such of a thing? No matter how long it's been, no matter what you've been through, no matter how bad it's gotten, you can still be healed. Do you believe it? Don't give up. Don't quit. She came behind, she touched his garment. Verse 21. For she did what? 
What did she do? She said, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Say it out loud. I shall be whole. I might be. I could be. I shall be. That is a bold statement. Isn't it? Now, you got to remember, she's been through some stuff. Don't you imagine through these previous 12 years, through all these procedures, don't you imagine that every time she went to another doctor, she tried another procedure, she was hoping this would be it. They'll help me. We'll get this fixed. I'll quit bleeding. I'll quit hemorrhaging. Don't you think? But time after time, see, if she's going by experience, how could she have said, I shall be. She would have said, we tried all this. Well, I've tried everything else. I'll try this. We'll see. Y'all pray. We hope so. It'd be good if it would. I need it. Of all the things she could have said, she didn't say that. What did she say? Help me out. I shall be whole. The NIV, verse 21 So she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. I will be healed. I want you to say that out loud two or three times. I will be healed. I will be healed. I will be healed. She said, I touch and I will be healed. The Amplified says, verse 21, she kept saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I shall be restored to health. The Amplified emphasizes a repetition. And apparently she was doing this while she was trying to get to him and pushing through the crowd in her weakened condition. She kept on saying, I'll be healed. I will be made whole. I shall be whole. Now this is very different than most church going people talk. Isn't it? I shall be. To say I shall or I will is about the strongest affirmation you can make in the English language. It just doesn't leave much wiggle room, does it? For maybe, might, we'll see, what ifs. No, you got to say something else if you want to imply that. I shall means I shall. That's it. I will. I will. Why doesn't everyone talk like this? Second Corinthians, look with me, in the fourth chapter. They'll put it up on the screen for us. Second Corinthians 4.13. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, And therefore speak. Now this woman pressed through the crowd. She touched his clothes. She said I shall be whole. And then Jesus just a couple of verses later. He said daughter be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. So what we can see. Is that when she said I shall be whole. I will be healed. That was her faith speaking. Wasn't it? She didn't feel that way yet. She didn't look that way yet. She sure wasn't going by all the years of the previous things that had happened to her. Because time after time after time she had hoped, but it didn't happen. 
But when she said, I will be healed, that was her faith speaking. And Jesus told her, your faith. He didn't say my faith. You know, he wasn't even having a healing line. He wasn't even praying for people. He wasn't laying hands on people. He's just walking down the road. He's just going from point A to point B. And she didn't even ask him if it would be alright if she grabbed a healing on the way. Did she? Aren't you glad some theologian didn't get to her and convince her and say, No, now dear, now it may not be his will. Isn't it great somebody didn't get a hold of her and say, Don't you say I shall. Because you just don't know. That's just being audacious. That's being presumptuous. I will. You just never know. What the Lord's going to do. Now before we uh, go too much further into this. Go over to James. James. The fourth chapter. Have you ever noticed that a lot of Christians. You bring up anything good and exciting. And they'll bring up something negative. That in their mind is contradictory. You find a verse that talks about you being blessed and doing good. And they'll try to find one that says. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be unto thee. You could talk about blessing. They won't talk about judgment. Always negative. And you start talking about things like this. Some people will quote this verse. James chapter 4 and verse 13. Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14. For whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Verse 15. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so people go, ah, see there, see there. You're supposed to just say, I will. You're supposed to say, if the Lord will. Well, what about the woman with the issue? You think we'd be reading about her? If she had said, we'll see. You just never know. If she'd have been wavering. Well, which one's right? You don't have to pick. They're both right. See, this is where people get in trouble. They learn a truth and try to make it the truth for everything. Both are true. Sometimes you need to say and affirm, I will, I shall. And other situations you need to say, if the Lord will, we will. But if you say, if the Lord will, you're revealing you don't know his will. And that's not always acceptable. For you not to know his will. Now when it comes to the future. And his plan for. See this is talking about. They're saying we're going to this city. And we're going to do this. And they're planning their future. And then they're bragging about what they're going to go do. And it's obvious they hadn't checked in with the Lord. They hadn't prayed and asked him about this. And they're bragging. And he said that's evil. No. Go with me to Ephesians. Chapter 5. 17. It says, wherefore be ye not unwise, but what? Understanding what the will 
of the Lord is. The Amplified says, Be not vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Now, there's some things we don't know about the will of God. But when it's plainly presented to us in His Word, and by the author of the book, the Holy Spirit, we should be convinced of His will. And in the plain light of His will, we shouldn't be saying, if it be thy will. When he just got through telling you it was his will. And there's far too many church going people and Christians that are content not knowing the will of God. And just act like it is unfindable and unknowable. No, no. What's supposed to be going on with your Bible reading, your praying, you coming to church. We're supposed to be immersed In the word of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, you and I are supposed to be finding out his will and his ways. And maybe we started out saying, I don't know, I'm not sure, we'll find out. But after weeks and months and especially years in the word of God, there ought to be area after area where we quit saying, we'll see. And we start saying, I will, we shall, he has, he will. Because we're no longer foolish and vague, but we understand what the will of the Lord is. That's why he gave us this book. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Why he gave us ministry gifts and all these things. We should be increasingly confident in knowing the will of God. Does he want you to know his will or is he hiding it from you? Is the Lord trying to keep you in the dark? Does he want you guessing? No. That's why he gave us the book. Say thank you Lord. Go with me. Over to the book of uh, Genesis. You see this affirmation. I shall. I will. Over 2,000 times. In the Bible. 2,000. I didn't say 200. I didn't say 900. Anything that's in the Bible over 2,000 times, we ought to pay attention to. What phrases are we talking about? I will, I shall. There's no ambiguity in that. Now, this woman had faith and got healed. We saw her, we heard her faith speaking when she said, I shall be healed. And if you'll study Hebrews 11 and the great heroes of faith, you'll see a recurring theme with that. These are not people who are guessing and wondering. They're affirming positively the will of God. One of the greatest faith stories of all time is Abraham. And when the Lord directed him to take his son up on the mount and offer him up, offer Isaac up as a sacrifice. And this is specifically mentioned in Hebrews 11 about how Abraham, through faith, did this. And notice it says that he accounted that God was able to raise him from the dead. Hebrews 11 says, because he remembered that God had said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. God had told Abraham that his generations were going to be perpetuated through Isaac. And then later he tells him, take him up there and offer him up as a sacrifice. Well, now if Isaac dies, 
then that word can't come to pass about his children and children's children being perpetuated through Isaac. So Abraham concludes that God's going to have to raise him from the dead. And you see this in his language in Genesis uh, 22 and uh, verse 5. I want you to look at Genesis 22, 5. As they were going up, Isaac and Abraham and the firewood, the beast of burden, going up the mountain, he told his helpers, you stay here. And notice what he said. He said, you abide here with the donkey. I and the lad, me and the boy, will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Who's going? Me and the boy. Who's coming back? Me and the boy. (laughs) We might. We hope so. We'll see. Now listen to the NIV. He said we will worship. And then we will come back. To you. We will. We will go up there. And we'll do this thing. And then both of us are coming back. And the Bible reveals he is believing for resurrection. Yes. Yes. Glory to God. Wow. When you have faith, you don't talk mousy. You don't talk iffy. Well, we'll try. You know, we'll do the best we can. You know, that's all a man can do is the best you know how. And it just don't always work out. And we just don't know why. And you just never know what the Lord's going to do. See, people think this is good Christian attitude. It's wavering and unbelief. Now, if you don't know, you don't know. You shouldn't try to be adamant and holler, I will, I shall. And you don't know the will of God. But neither should you be content to go year after year clueless as to the will of God. Let's find out. Let's get some confidence in some areas and be able to affirm instead of wondering and wavering. Can you say glory to God? He said, I will. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I mean, this is amazing. This is beautiful. Abraham did this in covenant with God. Because he's basically, God was saying, I am your exceeding great reward. I am your source. Everything I have is mine. And Abraham, they cut covenants, you remember. And Abraham is saying, yes, and everything I have is yours. And so then later, uh, God said, okay, everything you have is mine. I want your boy. Oh, oh. But Abraham had enough faith. Don't you know he thought about this thing? Don't you know he laid in his tent with his eyes open and thinking, you know. And then he realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's told me that my generations are going to be through that boy. So that boy can't die up on that mountain. He can't die with no wife and no kids and no grandkids. So this doesn't make sense. Well, I guess God will just have to raise him up from the dead. And he was literally believing for resurrection, which gave God the right. Because his covenant man had done it for him. Gave him the right to give his only begotten son 
and to raise him from the dead. Come on, can you see this? And all this is tied to his faith saying, we will go up and we will come back. I'm not going to try, see if, we'll see, never know. Uh Uh-uh, no, no, we will. And we will. You know, we studied this uh, a while back, and it's worth repeating. Go to 1 Samuel 17. We saw David go out there, and the battle was on, and Goliath is marching back and forth, and blaspheming God, and challenging. And and, uh, David saw that, and they started telling him, you know, man, anybody that's man enough to go fight this dude, the king's going to give his daughter to him. He'll be part of the royal family, and his whole household will never have to pay taxes again the rest of their lives. And he'll get these rewards. And David said, say what? What? How much? Who? You mean the pretty girl? Whoa. Tell me again. Tell me again. And you can see he didn't just start affirming some things. He's listening to this. He's hearing this. Why did he keep asking them? Tell me that again. And something got so strong that they took this uh, teenage youth up to the king and said, tell him. And he said, your servant will go fight this man. Going to go try? See what I can do? No. No. We'll, we're going to go do it. First uh, Samuel 17, 32. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Well, he was so convincing that the king let him go. Amazing. And as he's going out there with his little sling and his little stones... And this mammoth of a man is meeting him and cursing him. Notice down in verse 37. He said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. If it's his will. Huh? This is no time to say if it's his will. If you're not sure if it's his will, you should have never opened your mouth back at the king's tent. This ain't no time to be in saying, if it be thy will. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And his words were so powerful that the king, who was big guy, stood head and shoulders above everybody else. He decided to send this kid out to fight him. He said, well, go. And the Lord be with you. (laughs) You're going to need it. And verse 46, when this giant is cursing him and coming towards him, verse 46, David said, this day, we're going to see what's going to happen. Y'all pray. Dear Lord, pray. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand. Another way of saying it, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. Uh uh-uh, no. I will smite you, and I will take your head off of you, and I will give the carcasses of all your buddies, the whole host of the Philistines, to the fowls of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that I'm a man of faith. Uh-uh. And that's where some folk have gotten off. No, that there is a God in Israel. Can you say, praise the Lord? Do you hear the confidence? No wavering. 
No ambiguity. No what if. No we'll see. No maybes. I will. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take your head off. And all your buddies too. You and your buddies too. (laughs) It happened in a few hours. It happened immediately with him. And I mean they, they ran on the host. And the whole host was routed and destroyed. And it happened just like what he said. She said I shall be whole. Seconds later she was healed. He said I will smite you. Minutes later. Goliath is headless. <laughs> is it true? Do you hear the spirit of faith? Oh hear that verse again. I believed therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What kind of speaking does faith do? I will. I shall. That's the language of faith. That's the language of somebody who knows the will of God. Who's confident of the will of God. Go to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was Israel's songbook and ours too. Song book. These are not just to be read monotone. These are songs. They were accompanied by music, instruments. They were to be sung. Just like the songs you were singing earlier today. And these are inspired of the Lord. These are songs he wanted and still does want his people to have in their mouths things he wants them us to be thinking and singing saying and hearing and hearing and thinking and saying because a song I mean just a, a confession you might say a number of times but a song you'll sing it 30 times and not even think about how many times you have said it so this is the best way to get something continually in your mouth is a song so I want you to notice, we won't take the time to go through all of them obviously, but I just want to note, you to notice a sprinkling of them, of the kind of things he had them say and have in their mouth on a continuous basis. In the uh, Psalm 3, verse 6, what did he say? I will, this is something you're singing, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. I will not be afraid. So you go through all day. I will not be afraid. Might be working or plowing, and just think of that first phrase. I will not be afraid. I will not be. I'm gonna try not to be afraid. I'm gonna do my best. I will not be afraid. Psalm four eight. Psalm four eight. I'm gonna go in there and lay down. Try to get some sleep. I hadn't been sleeping too good. Y'all pray for me. I've been having some problems. Mm-mm. Time to sing. I will lay down and I will sleep. I will sleep. I will sleep. I will. <laughs> and it works just like that. Everybody say, I will will. lay down down. 
I will will. sleep Sleep. in peace. peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, some people find fault with folks like me and you talking like this. They go, ah, the audacity. I will. I shall. Who do they think they are? And then they think that that's disrespectful and presumptuous. And they don't realize they're doing the same thing. Just negatively. People will get adamant and go, you watch, something bad will happen. What do you mean? Has it happened? No, but you watch, it's going to happen. Something bad will happen. It will. And you watch. You get right in the middle of that and it'll break down. It'll quit. Just when you need it. It'll happen. It will. (laughs) It'd make them mad if they realize they're doing what we do. And we did that for years and we didn't like the way it worked. And so we decided to quit saying that and begin to say, it'll serve me well as long as I need it. It'll work out for me. Everything is working out for my good and God's glory. We will finish this. We will complete this. That's just agreeing with what the Lord told us to do. And some of these same people that would criticize us. They love the 23rd Psalm. Look at it. And don't realize they're in just reading the Psalm. They're doing what we're talking about this morning. Because listen to what it says. Remember this is a song too. He's singing. The Lord is my shepherd. I get by the best I can. (laughs) Sometimes. You have enough, sometimes you don't. Times is hard. And we just do the best we can. No. Not the Lord is my shepherd and I try. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, you ought to say that again. I shall not want again. I shall not want. Well, if you shall not want, that means you always have what you need. Your needs are always met. How many believe the 23rd Psalm? Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to try not to be afraid. It's hard, you know, sometimes you can't. But I will fear no evil. I will not fear it. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Not I hope it does. It shall follow me all the days of my life. And I sure hope I make it in. <laughs> By some hook or crook. I, if I can just squeak in the pearly gates, Lord. <laughs> Well, you just live the best life you know how and it'll be up to the Lord and we'll find out later. Uh-uh. No, no. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will. Well, how do you know? I will. How can you be so sure? I reckon if the Bible said it, it'd be okay for me to say it. You think so? Would it be okay for me to say just what the Bible said? Yes. 
If you're not saying that, what else are you saying? You found something better than the Bible to say? Look in uh, Psalm 71. Again, these are songs. These are things the Lord wanted them and us to have in our mouth all the time. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house. I will not be moved. I will not be afraid. I shall not want. What if you talk like that all the time? You just talk like that day and night all the time. And wouldn't talk anything else. Psalm 71, 16. Boy, I like this one of my personal favorites here. This is good for traveling. It's good when you only had three hours of sleep. It's good if your body doesn't feel as young as it used to be. It's good. And things say, you going to go? You going to be able to go? Can you go? Or if you don't see the money or resources to do it, man, this is one to jump on. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will. I will. Will you be able to make it? I will. I will go. In the strength of the Lord God. There's a New Testament scripture that goes along with this. Philippians 4.13. Anybody ever quoted that one? Ever marked it down? Philippians 4.13. What does it say? You're not always able. Come on, think about it. See, folks don't realize. Reason will say there are so many factors. How can I be sure? Uh, Walking by sight. Sight will say it looks so impossible. I just don't see how. Feelings will say, I just feel so, and I don't feel like. But faith says, faith says, I will. I will. Well, how will you be able to? I don't have to know that. I will go when my strength is not enough. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. When I don't know how to do it and am not able to do it, I still will be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if you don't say I will, you don't say I shall, then you're not convinced of the will of God yet. And wavering, what will you receive? James says if you waver, don't think you'll receive anything of the Lord. You can't wander and waver. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I'll try, maybe I can, maybe I can't. We'll see. Now we've already seen this in God's dealings with the Israelites when he said he had given them the promised land and to go up and take it and what they could and should do. And then they said, we can't. And we said that your words carry more weight in your life than anybody else's. And if you won't say what he said, then he can't do what he said in your life. You're going to wind up getting not what he said, but what you said. If he says you can, and you say you can't, you're not going to get what he said. You're going to get what you said. If we're smart, if he says we can, we will say we can, and we will. Amen. No matter how much it looks and feels like, we can't. Now, everybody likes Psalm 91, too. Go there, Psalm 91. I mean, I don't care what Christian persuasion denomination group you are. You like Psalm 91. But I want you to notice the wording in this psalm. 
In Psalm 91 verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Might. Shall. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. And I'm going to do my level best. To trust him. I will trust him. I will. Skip down to verse 14. There, there's so many of these in the way. It'd be a good study for you just to go through the whole book of Psalms and look for these. I'll warn you, it's going to take you a while. But it'll be well worth your time. It's a good, good study. Here the Lord is saying some things, and you see how he speaks. He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I. That's the same thing as saying, I will. I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Verse 15. He will call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Verse 16. With long life. Will I? I will. Satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will. I will. I will. I will. Now if he says I will. Why should you say we'll see? Why wouldn't that be disrespectful? If I told you, you told me about a situation you got, and I said, I will. I will be there tomorrow, and I will bring the money. And you looked at me and said, well, you just never know what Brother Keith is going to do. Well, I sure hope so. We'll see. Is that going to bless me? You talking to me in such a condescending tone? What, is, what are you telling me? What are you telling? You're telling me I'll believe it when I see it, which means you don't believe it at all. If God tells you, I will. If He tells you I will, what should you say? He will. He will. He said it, he did it, he will, and I shall. (laughs) If he said I will, why can't I say he will? With no ambiguity, with no wavering. Oh, thank you, Lord. Psalm 118, Psalm 118.6. Psalm 118.6 says, the Lord is on my side. We already picked teams. <laughs> and he's on my side. <laughs> How many know before you go any further, which team's going to lose? <laughs> it's the team he's not on. <laughs> the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Verse 7. The Lord takes my part with them that help me. He's on my side. Therefore, I will see my desire upon them that hate me. Now, we know the devil hates us. This scripture is quoted and referenced in the New Testament in Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Let's put that up on the screen. Hebrews 13, 5. 
Hebrews 13.5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Don't think you can't be happy without that next house or that next car or that next thing. Your contentment is not in that stuff. And it's just stuff. It cannot fulfill you. Don't believe those lies. And you can't even enjoy a new house without being right with God. You can't enjoy a new car like you should. And if you're right with him, then he's number one. And that car is way down here on the list somewhere else. For he has said, what? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. If he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, what should we say? He will never leave me nor forsake me. And you see, because of what he said, look at the very next verse. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. When you know what he said, it makes you bold to say, he said, I have, I did, I will, so we can pop up and say, he did, he will, I shall. I believe, therefore have I spoken. He will deliver me. He will meet my needs. And I shall run my race and finish my course. Why? Because he will be with me every step of the way. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I won't have to do without. I won't fail in accomplishing what he told me to do. I will. I may not always feel like it or look like it, but I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will go in the grace of God and the provision of the Most High because He will never leave me nor forsake me. You believe it? Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Why don't you say it again? Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He is the apostle and high priest of what we're saying. Isaiah 57, 19, he said, I create the fruit of the lips. He works with what we say. And the word confession literally means saying the same thing. So we're saying what he said. Come on, picture that woman. She was not a theologian. No indication that she ever went to Bible school. We don't know that the woman could even read. A lot of folks in those days couldn't read a word. Didn't say she read some books. Said she heard about Jesus. All her years of wondering and trying and effort and labor, she was able to set aside the ambiguity and wondering and wavering and begin to say in her weakened condition as she pressed through that mob and crowd, if I can just touch the hem of his clothes... I will be healed. I will be healed. I will be healed. I will be healed. Glory to God. My grandmother, back as a young woman, was uh, in a terminal condition. And back then people were sick in their home. And she told me this story. I, I, I wasn't around at that time. But you think about things that happened. If they hadn't happened, would you even be here? You know, and she's facing what would have been certain death. And it was wintertime. 
And in those days, cars were, you know, just simple instruments and the roads were dirt and in the wintertime rutted. And I mean, traveling in any time was an issue, but in the wintertime. Well, about 70 miles away, a man of God was having a meeting. And she believed in these things and he and she was sick and she told uh, family and friends, if I could just get to brother so-and-so's meeting, I'd be healed. Well, uh, it's kind of reminds you of David. She must have sounded so convincing that they got the best car they could put together and they put their quilts in the car and their extra tires because you usually had three or four flats every 15 miles, you know. And, and they faced the slush and the mud and everything it took and they got her to brother so-and-so's meeting. And she said in the service, of the, I mean, she was couldn't carry herself. And they got her up uh, before the man of God at the time of prayer. And she had an experience. She said when he stepped down to minister to her, she didn't see anything but light. An angel standing all around him and her. And she was gloriously healed. But all the way there, she said, she kept saying, if I can just get to brother so-and-so, if I can just get to that meeting, I will be. That's one reason we have miracle and healing nights. Because it's an opportunity for anybody that will stir up their faith. Somebody says, well, why that day? Why not? Any day can be miracle day if you'll believe and have faith. But this is just an opportunity for us to combine our faith and begin to say, and people begin to confess, I will, I shall, I will be healed. I will be. Now we know it's already been bought and paid for, but you're talking about receiving it and experiencing it. Go with me to 3rd John, please, the 3rd epistle of John. I think we can close. 3rd John, just one chapter, and the fourth verse. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children Walk in truth. Now, yes, this is uh, John speaking to his brother and these people, but it's much more than that. This is God speaking through John, and it's his heart toward us. Does it give our Father God joy and great joy for us to walk in his truth, walk in his light? How many in here have children? Hold up your hand. I want you to have children. Then you already know a lot more about this than you realize you know. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please your father. None of us kids can please our father without faith. And we heard this woman, I will be healed. That's her faith talking. I believe, therefore have I spoken. Your child, I'm talking about children old enough to understand something and do something. Your children dealing with some kind of issue and they didn't do what they could have or should have and you know what they're capable of and you know they could and you know they should and they come to you and say, okay, I tried. It's just, it's too hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. (laughs) Does that bless you? Huh? You know they can do it. Not only that, you are ready and willing to help them and support and give them what they need. And yet they whine and they cry and they flop around 
with no backbone. And they go, I can't, I can't, I can't, I need a hug. I can't. They don't need a hug. They don't need a hug. They need something else. <laughs> oh, but friend, your young man, your young woman, maybe they're fresh in their memory, seeming failures, and they don't know how to accomplish and achieve what's being asked of them or what they need to face and deal with and accomplish. They can't see it, haven't experienced it. And yet you tell them, no, you must do this and you can do this and I'm with you. And they look up through their tears and they straighten their head up and they go, all right, daddy, I will. Okay, mama, I will. I'll do it. What does that do to you? Does that minister to you? You know you're not just looking at a little baby anymore. You're looking at a young man of God. You're hearing a young woman of God. Somebody that's got some metal in them. Somebody that's got some strength in them. Somebody that's got some... Does that please you? Does that ble- You know why it pleases you and ministers to you? Because you got it from the father of all fathers. And when we whine and act pitiful and say, I can't and there's no way and we'll try and we'll see and there's just no way, that does not bless the Lord. But it gives him great joy when we get a hold of the truth of his word and we say, I'm going to walk in it. And I have seen and heard how faith speaks and talks and I'm going to walk in the truth of that. And the Bible said it gives him no greater joy. When we'll stand up in the midst of our Temptation to fear and our tears and our problems and fresh memories of, of failures and everything else. And we say, in the name of Jesus, I will. I don't care what it looks and feels like. I shall. We will. And we'll have. And it'll happen. And you're not just trying to convince yourself or somebody else. You believe it. You believe it. Do you think it pleases the Father? Just like your children please you. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.